The first question is where I will go when I die? Ocean view. <laughs> Very simple. Ocean view is what? The graveyard. That's a very superficial answer. It's not good enough. That answer is not good enough. Ocean view, eight feet under the ground. Well, when I die, depends on what I have done when I'm alive. When I'm alive, have I accumulated enough karma to go to the benevolent realms? Or have I accumulated enough bad karma to go to the vicious realms? So when I die, presuming that I haven't reached Srupana, I haven't reached a Stratopana stage, then I would roll into my next life with my karma that I have accumulated. Whatever you have done, you take it with you when you die. So where, where will I go when I die depends on how, what kind of karma you accumulated when you are alive. Given two individuals, take two persons as an example. One has accumulated a lot of bad karma by doing what? Gambling, hunting, killing animals, lots and lots of evil things. Or, for example, this, this person um, run a slaughterhouse. He went public with a slaughterhouse, inventing ways to kill more animals. Or he's hunting for, for um, in the Arctic Ocean seals for the fur, killing a lot of animals and making a lot of money from killing, he accumulated a lot of bad karma. And when he died, where will he go? The three vicious rams, animal ram, hell ram, and ghost ram. On the other hand, person B accumulates a lot of benevolent good karma. Then he will go to good rams. Then may he be reborn, but this person, for example, is very generous, he's very honest, and he's been contributing to society and he's been doing a lot of good deeds, but he has, is not enlightened yet. He's not pursuing the, 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 the Buddhist teaching in enlightenment. He still has to roll with his karma into his next life. Then he roll into a very good life. He, be, he was born into a, into a family of one of the richest families in say, in North America, good education and etc. and etc. and etc. There are people like that. There are people who are born into rich families and people who are born into poor family. Don't blame God for putting you in the wrong place. You selected your own place. You check in yourself into that five-star, six-star presidential suite or bed and breakfast bed and breakfast, or a squatter hut in a poor family. You do it yourself. So watch what you're doing. 
every action, every speech, as a matter of fact, every thought counts. You better, you'll be a better person. That's what we've been all talking about. The more, the more non-egoistic you are, the better place you will go to. So, you can examine where you will go to by reflecting on yourself. If you practice meditation to a certain level, one day someone says something bad about you, you immediately get mad or you get jealous, then you know you haven't reached that level yet. You've been practicing, but you're not reaching that level yet. But if someone talks to you, someone infuriate you or humiliate you, but you just let it go. It doesn't really, it doesn't really hurt you. You just liberated yourself right away. But a few years ago, you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't forgive that guy. You would bounce back. But now, you take it spontaneously, without revenge, without hatred, without jealousy. You're different. You know you're different. You can, you can reflect on yourself to find out where you go. You know where you go by examining your own conduct. You know where you have been by looking at what you suffered in this life. Said if you have, if you were born in a broken home, if you have have sons and daughters who do not have filial piety to us, you don't care about you. You you have a bad marriage. It's because you have sowed these seeds, these causes in your previous life. So where would I go when I die? Physically, yes, ocean view. Spiritually, you determine that route. You are your own creator. That's it for this question. Next question. Thinking back to what you said about love, all the suffering that can arise, etc. What about our pets, cats and dogs? How do we not get too attached to them? Shouldn't we love them unconditionally? Though, how do we have or limit our attachment? Well, let me repeat what love all means. L-O-V-E. I still remember, I, I read a book many, many years ago. Uh, the name of that book is Love is a Many Splendor Thing by Han Suin. I don't know, you know, have you read that book, Han Suin? Han, H-A-N, Su Yin, S-U-Y-I-N. You can Google it. Um, Han Suin is, it's, um, is a Euro, Euro, Eurasian. Uh, mixed blood. She lived in China. She became a very prolific English writer. Uh, and she wrote a few books, Han Suin, Cripple Tree, Love is Many Splendor Thing and Cripple Tree and all that. And Love is as Many Splendor Thing is uh, it's also made into a movie. Uh, in the 60s, I don't think you have seen I'm getting older and older. Every time when I talk about these things, nobody knows. <laughs> so I know I'm getting very old. Usually, many years ago, I said, have you, have you seen this movie? Yes, people have you know, raised their hands. Now, less and less people, I know that I'm getting older and older. <laughs> love is many splendor thing. At that time, when I was young, I said, oh, love is really good. It's a many splendor thing. They even have a song sung to it. And you have heard that song, and um, 
I, I want to test my memory. Who are the who are the, who are the actor and the actresses of, of that movie? Uh, William Houghton. Yeah, right. William Houghton and I forgot the female role. Ah, huh? Kim Novak. Yes, Love Is a Man Who Spread the Thing, and that was shot in Hong Kong. Yeah, in China. But you can still get that movie from from YouTube, I guess, right? Yes. So at that time, but but later and later, I find out that alone, love is not a many splendor thing. <laughs> love is a many trouble thing. <laughs> this morning, I heard from my teacher, Mel Jing Fasi. He mentioned about love, and he said, "All these mental afflictions, most of the mental afflictions, arise because of love." And he gave a good example that I use, that I would like to use in the future when I'm lecturing. Someone dies, and if that one is not related to you, he's a stranger. Would you care? Oh yeah, that guy is dying. Oh poor. That's all. You're not you're not attached to it, because it's not related to you. He's a stranger. You 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 may be sympathetic uh, for a minute. But if that someone is your relative, your mom and dad, your wife, your husband, you agonize in you. You have the agony in you. You are grief-stricken. You you feel so painful. You cry. You 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 very very painful. So this pain, this suffering arises from what? Love. Because of the love, you love that person who is dead. That's why you have the agony. And if you trace this further back, why did I love him? You loved him because you have an attachment. You have an attachment. Why? Because you build up the causes not in this life, in previous life. You either owe him something, or he owe you something. There is an unfinished relationship between you and him, and that pull you two persons together. If that person. And you have a good relationship before, so you want to finish the unfinished business in this life of love. Then you still have the grief. You are still grief-stricken. If you hate that person, if he dies, you may you may you, you may not feel anything because he owes you something. You're paying off the debt. So. The dog that you're talking about. What about the pets, the cats and dogs? Don't get attached to love. If you attach too much to love, then you come back again to this world of love. This is the world of desires. And sometimes love is mixed with many byproduct, by action, and that's that's what we would call by sexual misconduct. Some people identify love with uh, sensuous conduct. They call it love. Um, But an attachment to senses, they call it love. You look at a movie, you watch a movie, and there's an actress in there, and she's so beautiful, and you call that actress lovable. And you don't know that actress. It's because the the demeanor uh, she posed herself, walking or singing or dancing, that you attach to this so-called quote-unquote appearance. But this is not the real appearance. When it's when she's off stage, she's a different person. 
She could be yelling, she could be, she could be cursing, she's egoistic, and she's the ugliest in the world as far as the inner beauty is concerned. But you attach so much to what the movie is all about. You attach to fictitious images, and you call that love. Is it worth it? And you love your cats and dogs. Maybe you owe him, you owe that dog, cat and dogs in previous life. You have to look after the cats and dogs. Don't get too attached, you're just paying off your debt. You said you shouldn't we love them unconditionally. If you want to, well, you can, you render compassion to, to, the, to the dogs and cats unconditionally, yes. But you don't, you, don't, you don't have to love. I mean, love here implies, to me, love has a, a, a negative connotation. If you call love compassion, it's not negative, it's positive. Dear Venerable, how can we love without attachment? How can we love without attachment? Um, if you know love, and knowing that this love arises from um, unfinished business, it may come to an end. It's because of what happened in the past. So you always have that mentality to discount your love. In other words, you always prepare for, for the love coming to an, end, to an end. Then you don't have any attachment. Because you're afraid that the love will end, that you have an attachment. You love your wife, and then you, you attach to it, and you're afraid that the love will end. So you attach more. But if the love ends, it ends without your attachment to it. You don't attach to it. It's just like when you, you love this world, your, your body, your, your whole ego. Your, your, you love this world. You don't want to leave this world. I love this world. I love my family. I love my job. I love my money. I love everything in this, I love everything in this world. And here I'm dying. I'm breathing my last breath. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I love, I love this world so much. Then you're agonizing yourself. Your soul, the so-called, cannot leave the body. If you let go of love, then you'll leave right away. If you are in love, always think this love has a reason, has a causes. This love is empty. Everything is empty. Everything is sunyata. What is emptiness? Let's, let's, let's reveal what is emptiness. What is sunyata? What is emptiness? Emptiness is, is impermanent. Everything is impermanent. Everything depends on causality. All the causes put together, it arises. Causes don't put together, it disintegrates. It depends on causes. And it has no real nature of its own, as for Baba. No real nature. It exists only now. It exists only on conditions. So always think of love as empty, as existing on conditions, as existing impermanent, permanently then if you always have that conception, you will not have attachment. That works for you right away. That's the power of the Buddha's teaching. It helps you to detach. It helps you to get out of attachment. You already get it. Emptiness. Contemplate on emptiness. Contemplate love as empty. Can you contemplate love as empty? Or you contemplate love as cherishable? Love is, oh, it's, it's, it's a many splendor thing. But the reality is, 
It is not permanent. It's causality. You have many husbands in your previous lives. Some work out and some don't. Depends on what you have done to him in your previous life. So it's all causality. If he leaves you, adios. <laughs> don't really matter. Because the, the, the bondage is gone. Don't cry over it. Don't cry over spilt milk. You don't need it. That's the time to be ordained. <laughs> yeah. Don't linger on. Don't linger on any further. If he leaves you, that means you're free of this bondage. You're free to go because you served your, you served your love sentence. Okay, so that's the question. Next, is there any short or long retreat schedule that we can participate? Yes, we will later. Uh, right now, there's so many unfinished things that we have to do in here. Uh, we used to have a seven-day Amitabha chanting retreat. Um, we haven't continued since about seven years ago. I remember we have a seven days retreat every year. We have uh, Venerable Mel Jing to lead at least 10 sessions or 10 years already. I think he came for 10 years already. You haven't seen him. He passed away already. He passed away already. So we always have this seven day meditation retreat. And uh, since seven years ago or eight years ago, we, we didn't continue, but we should continue. We should have more meditation retreats. We should have more um, Buddha name chanting retreat. Instead of just calling for, for it to happen, can you make it happen? It's easy to, to say, when would this be given to me? Why would you ask yourself, how can I make it happen? Because I only got two hands. I can't do too many things. I can't organize all these things for you. That's why we need volunteers. Now, there are volunteers who come and help out. Now, just, just as a reminder, we, uh, our, our construction team is gone already, gone back to China. No more, no more construction team people because we finished finish 90, most part of our project. Uh, we, don't, we don't want any hardware anymore, but we need maintenance of the hardware. And we need more people to come, uh, not just on a Saturday. We need people who volunteer to come on weekdays to, 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 to help out, to work out. Um, actually, I, I have a lot of plans in my mind, but I only have got two hands and one brain. I cannot do too many things. I already have a lot of staff helping me, but they are so busy already. I can, off the top of my head, I can think of many things that I haven't done. I want the NAAs for the universities, UPC, student associations. I want to propagate to them that there's Buddha teaching in here. I want to tell them that, that, that there's meditation session every Saturday. I want to tell them a lot of things, but I, I, I don't have time. Why don't you do something about it? Why don't you organize something and tell me, hey, uh, Reverend, I've got this plan for you. Thursday, I'm going to meet the... Uh, the, the, the president of the student association, I want to talk to them and tell them that there's such a course, there's such meditation retreat in the temple, and you can come, and this 
Reverend Quan Chung will give you all these lectures, and it's meaningful, you know. Why don't you do something about that? Or you, or you, you, you dream up some posters that you can show me. Here's a poster that we can attract more students, young guys, young people coming over here. I mean, there's so many things that easy to say. Well, any schedule thing for me. I want you to schedule for me. Because I'm tired. <laughs> I can't do anymore. So why don't you do something about it? Instead of asking, give, give give. There's a difference between always asking and always giving. I've been giving a lot already and I need someone to give on behalf of me. Not back to me. I'm not asking you to give back things to me, but I'm asking you to give to others. Is that fair? I'm not ask I'm giving out and I'm asking you to give out yours to others too, not giving back to me. So there's a lot of things you can help out with. And uh, right now, on Bowen Island, I'm, I'm, I'm constructing a, a meditation retreat. But that's a private one, um, open only to long-time devotees. I don't want to open to anybody, because that's not on a on public zoning. In other words, not every, it's, it's not open to the public. It's against the bylaw. Uh, but it's just like a big house where you invite people, friends to come. You can do that. So that's the reason why I said not open to the public. But that is really a good meditation retreat. I plan to build, to, to build a, a Buddhist academy there where we have a few monks over there. And maybe a, a monks plus a group of laymen, devout laymen who've been practicing it. So we can have 20, 30 people over there. That's like a paradise in, in Bowen. I've been, I've been searching for such a place for 20 years. It's right on the waterfront, uh, overlooking uh, Gibson Island. Um, we can even touch the water. We have a private pier in there. And it's in, in a rainforest. Where it's in a 10 acres of rainforest. Well, you'll have a chance to, to go and see it some, sometime. Um, and we need a lot of volunteers. So, just as what uh, one of the American presidents says, don't ask what the country can do for you. Ask what you can do for the country. Don't ask what the temple can do for you. <laughs> ask what you can do for the temple. Another final question was, Sakyumini Buddha still suffering after he got enlightened in this world before he left his body, uh, suffering from five scandals old age. If he was not suffering, what is the point of going to a happy land? Um, I think there's a little bit of confusion in there. Sakyamuni Buddha is not in the land of bliss. The land of bliss was Amitabha Buddha who created such a world for, as, as an expedient means, as a fast way of enlightenment for people who go over there. It's just like it's just like uh, in North America, I want to build a university, and that university is called enlightening you until you become the Buddha. I build, I build a university in here, and the name of the university is Enlight Enlightenment, uh, Enlightenment University. Then you register and come and we'll teach you. But that university, it, it, it's just a means to get enlightened. And you were asking the question, was Sakmuni Buddha still suffering? How can the Buddha suffer? 
The Buddha is free from suffering. That's the definition of enlightenment. Enlightenment means you away, you 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 transcend suffering. No more suffering for you because you purify your karma. No more suffering is not because of God who helped you from not suffering. It's because you yourself you purify all your karma. No more karma in you to bind you. You you go beyond the polluted karma. So after you got enlightened, you don't go back to the bondage anymore. So I, I don't quite understand what your question is, but it's a good question. Unless you want to, you want to, uh, unless you want to clarify more. Yes. Sorry, it was my question. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, after the Buddha got enlightened in this world, yeah. he continued living in this world, and he started teaching. Yeah. And he was living in his bodily. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and he, he I'm, based on what I learned in, in today's lecture, yeah. because he's living in this world, he should suffer to aging, he should suffer to the mm. loving the yeah. members, he should suffer from the old age, and yeah. he should suffer from the death, which yeah. is contradict with the, the meaning of enlightened. Yeah. That's my question. Yes, he still suffer. The even Buddha still passed away even after enlightenment. But even after enlightenment, it becomes arahat. Um, if we say, why don't we just look at uh, your question from the Theravada school? It's the same. The, uh, he became the arahat, for example, the arahat. But the arahat still have the body. But after his body died out, he's in nirvana, no more suffering. So when he's still living, he still have suffering. He still have aging, he still have sickness, he still have death. He still go through the, went through uh, these sufferings. Uh, only after nirvana, no more pari nirvana, no more body than is in nirvana. You understand? Yeah. Well, yeah. Any any more question? I have one. Yeah. Yes. There's two kinds of nirvana. Nirvana with a body and nirvana without a body. Now, you have nirvana with a body in this life, like Sakamuni Buddha. He already enlightened, but he still, this body has still have to go through the remaining um, remnants uh, of the karma. So when this body dies out, he's in part of nirvana. And that you can achieve nirvana in this life. The nirvana. Um, just simply call it enlightenment. You can achieve enlightenment in this life, but you still have this body. You can achieve nirvana in this life, but you still have the body. By going, how? Oh, there's a lot of methods. For example, by uh, one of the methods is by meditation, by purifying yourself from meditation, eliminating your ego, no more ego, no more mental afflictions, no more jealousy, no more hatred, no more of this polluted karma. There are people like that. They went through a lot of mental training. Um, no more, no more ego feeling. No more egoistic feeling. No more jealousy. No more hatred. No more um, violence ideas. No more sexual misconduct. No more killing. All these things are gone. There are people who practice it that way. How will you know? How will I know what? How will you know? How will you know you achieve uh, uh, enlightenment? Nirvana. Yeah. How will you know you you are? Well, 
How will you know nirvana? That means the, for the practitioner, you mean, or how will I know? No, not you. The, the, the practitioner? Oh, the, 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 uh, how will I know if I'm drinking this water? I'm drinking it. I know whether it is warm, hot, or lukewarm. I know. Do you know when you're drinking the water? Do you know it is hot, cold, or lukewarm? Do you know? Certainly you know, right? I don't know. But you know. You can't tell me you don't know. Can you? Right? You know, right? You know, when, because you're drinking it yourself. You know. You know whether it is warm, you know whether it is cold. Don't tell me you don't know until, unless you are senseless. Then you don't know. <laughs> but you're not senseless. So you know your achievement. You know how you feel. Um, we don't know, but you will know. Because you, because you are the practitioner, what level you will arrive at, you will know. I may not know, but you will know. <laughs>